Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line, as he always does, is my colleague, David Shane. Dave, how are you doing this lovely Wednesday afternoon? I gotta be honest, I feel kind of like the Knights do <laughs> right now. I'm... Uh... <laughs> everybody's uh everybody's hurting these days i think so i'm i'm just part of the club <laughs> yeah some more than others so we're definitely going to get into all the bumps and bruises the knights have to various players body parts and honestly uh their ego at this point because things are not going well over at the offices of city national arena and t-mobile arena and we're going to get into all of that on uh this edition of the golden edge podcast but before we do all of that, just want to quick remind people that we are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. We are presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. And also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, also make sure to rate, review, subscribe, whatever you podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. We had a bonus episode come out earlier this week for you guys where we had a long conversation with Golden Knights left wing William Carrier. Really encourage you to uh, check it out because I think you would learn uh, a lot of things about uh, Carrie that you probably did not know, including uh, some of the various places that he likes to uh, fish, which some of which surprised me, and uh, how handy uh, he is in terms of a craftsmanship, which also was like crazy. Some of the things that he pointed out to us. So uh, really hope you guys listen to that. But uh, today we're just doing a deep dive into. Everything that's going wrong for the Golden Knights in that list is long, so buckle in. Uh, we last talked before the Knights played in Buffalo, and uh, a lot of things have happened since then. Pretty much none of them good for the Knights. They have nine regulars out of the lineup right now. Mark Stone, Alec Martinez, Riley Smith, Robin Leonard, Braden McNabb, Matias Yanmark, and Brett Howden. Whew, deep breath there. Are on injured reserve. Uh, Max Pacioretty. Also hurt, just not on IR. Uh, ben Hutton in COVID protocol. So those are all the guys the Knights have been missing the last couple of games. In part because of that, we're definitely going to get into reasons why we can't all blame it on injuries slash absences. Uh, the Knights have lost five in a row in regulation for the first time in a franchise history. This is the first time they have played five straight games without getting a point. It ended in pretty ugly fashion last night with a 7-3 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. And because of this stretch, the Knights, you know, went from having kind of an outside shot of not making the playoffs to now it is a very, very real chance that they're going uh, to miss the playoffs. As we are talking right now, the Knights are now 10th in the Western Conference standings by points percentage. Vancouver jumped them last night. So the Knights, uh, as of right now, are looking up at both Vancouver and Dallas just to get into a wild card position. And because the Jets beat them last night, Winnipeg is now right on their heels in 11th place. Uh, their playoff odds at like various websites that you want to look at 
Uh, moneypuck.com gives them a 54% chance of making the playoffs, so pretty cl- close to a coin flip there. They are 46% to make the playoffs on The Athletic, and they are 43% on uh, 538, which is Nate Silver's website. If you guys know that, a lot of stat-based data to do sports stuff and uh, elections, famously. Uh, none of those odds are obviously good for a team that had legit Stanley Cup aspirations entering this year. And it's all, like like I said, very much real that this could crash and burn here heading into the last 20 games of the regular season. Uh, Dave, is this uh, is this probably the lowest the Knights have ever been in their history? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say like rock bottom because like, okay, let's start with this for one thing. Some of this is all relative, you know, the lowest they've ever been. They're right in the middle of a playoff chase. You know, how many teams would it love to be, you know, where they're at right now? And it's just kind of sort of it's the standard and the expectations that they've set for themselves. Obviously, you know, sports books and everybody kind of looked at it, too, made him the favorite, warranted. But, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of teams that that would love to be where, they, where the Knights are. I mean, it's kind of spoiled by their own success in that regard. Now, the flip side to that is, yeah, you know, this is as low as they've been, they've never been, you know, in the middle of a, a playoff chase like this. I think the closest thing was the second year. You know, they were kind of, you know, not stuck in neutral the whole time, but, you know, they didn't really, like, turn it on or anything at any point in the regular season and just kind of, you know, coasted in a little bit and Flurry got hurt and they rested him. Like, this is, this is, like, the closest thing to that. And even that wasn't didn't feel like the peril you know, that they're in right now as far as, you know, not making it and all that. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, I mean, we talked all year and like, yeah, you know, what's wrong with the Knights and this and that, and, you know, and you, you, you want to say like, you know, all oh, the injuries are no excuse, but like, let's just be real, you know, and it's not, a, it's not me trying to defend them or anything like that, but, you know, you've got nine guys out and it's not just nine guys. It's not like, bottom six dudes and a couple of defense, you know, I mean, it's two thirds of your top line, like two of your best players. And then, you know, right now, another guy on your top six, who's out and key defenseman and, you know, so yeah, it's easy to pick on them and it's easy to say, Oh, the injury, you know, they should overcome them. They did in the start of the year, but like in a lot of ways, this is, this is, these are some extenuating circumstances. I don't think anybody could have predicted this, but I mean, even so much so, I think back to when the Knights made the announcement that uh, Jack Eichel was going to be activated and Mark Stone was, you know, going to go on IR because of his back. And I don't remember who asked the question. And Kelly McCrimmon made a comment about like, well, we have to make the playoffs first. And, you know, I kind of snickered. And I think some of us did too. Like, yeah, you know, make the playoffs. Come on, you're going to make the playoffs. Well, I don't know. Maybe Kelly McCrimmon knew something that we all didn't. No, it's very possible. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, these are just huge pieces that they're missing, uh, totaling nine guys right now. And I believe I did the math before last game. It's approximately, you know, $37.885 million out of the lineup. Uh, the NHL's salary cap limit is uh, $81.5 million. So uh, basically $38 million is pretty darn close to half. The Knights are missing essentially half of what would constitute a, you know, maxed out salary cap uh, in the NHL. 
right now. It's obviously very hard uh, to win that way. But I think obviously what's tough is on this road trip that they went 0-5 on, there were probably still some missed opportunities where even though, you know, I think people could have accepted if they lost to Pittsburgh because of this, I think they could have accepted if they lost even to maybe to Winnipeg last night, probably not in the fashion that they did, which we'll get into it. But the fact that they're dropping games against the Flyers, the Sabres, the Blue Jackets, um, as we talked before our last episode, the fact that they came very close to dropping, you know, a point against the Ottawa Senators and needed a last minute game winning goal from Jack Eichel at home to get by them is also not great. And I keep coming back to this team, even before like some of these injuries kind of hit catastrophic levels, just in terms of the numbers of them, you know, this team has not been playing great uh, for a while now. Um, Obviously I think everyone knows that they're four 10 and one since Mark Stone went on long-term injured reserve with that back issue. It's just so, so obvious how much this team misses him. But in terms of points earned uh, just in 2022, so since January 1st, the Knights are tied for 25th in the NHL. Uh, The San Jose Sharks have earned more points in 2022 than the Golden Knights, uh, as have the Chicago Blackhawks and the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Not exactly great company that the Knights are keeping, so... It's obviously it is the injuries. It's also them not playing well. It's uh, unfortunately for this team right now, it's just a lot of things, Dave. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another, like, you know, they go through stretches where, you know, they can't score and they're getting a goaltending and then they go through stretches where it flips around, you know, like you said. So from that standpoint, I think that's the frustration from Pete DeBoer, and the players, uh, maybe even the front office a little bit, uh, is just kind of that there isn't an obvious answer. There isn't a, well, if we fix this, we'll be fine, you know, or we can do this and that'll clear everything up. Uh, there's just, there's like, that's the easy way, you know, like if, if it was, if it was that, then you either make a trade or you bring somebody up or you juggle the line, like whatever you have to do. But I think the frustration and where they're at and, the problem, the dilemma that they have is they, they just, if they know what it takes, they don't have the personnel to execute it right now, you know? And then if they think, you know, okay, we have a game plan, you know, we, we can do this, do that, you know, then it just kind of, it ends up falling apart. So I, I think that's sort of the catch 22 they're in right now is, is trying to figure out what, what maybe one or two things, you know, that are fixable, can they can they adjust and and will that make a difference? Because I think they're they're kind of grasping at straws right now on a lot of this. No, that's definitely true. And yeah, the latest kind of I think front burner issue that has uh, come up that I think is we're going to be talking about a lot potentially over the next couple of days to week or so uh, is the goaltending because the Knights, you know, as you mentioned, kind of started the road trip unable to score and with their offense in a really deep rut. And they ended the road trip with uh, basically their defense and goaltending in kind of shambles. They've given up 18 goals their last three games. It's the first time in franchise history they've allowed at least five goals in 
three straight games. And I mean, I think Pete DeVore's frustration was pretty evident last night in the fact that Laurent Brassois gave up uh, four goals on 13 shots to the Winnipeg Jets in his first game in Winnipeg since signing with the Knights as a free agent. Uh, Logan Thompson had to come in midway through the game. He gave up three goals on 10 shots faced, obviously a tough spot for him coming into kind of a hostile road environment in a tough game for his team as a rookie, but obviously wasn't great. And I think Pete DeBoer kind of, yeah, showed some frustration last night. And we don't have a lot of specifics as to what Robin Leonard's kind of injury timeline is right now. Obviously he came off of an upper body injury, got back in the lineup at the beginning of this month, came out of it again on this road trip. But um, I don't know. The goaltending seems to be kind of the position that I'd be looking right now at if I were the Knights, Dave, just because, you know, as of right now, I don't know how much confidence they can have that a, you know, Brissois Thompson tandem is what's going to get them to move up in the standings if they don't get back Leonard soon. Uh, what's your confidence level at there in terms of are they going to be able to get, you know, solid enough play in net to try to make a, you know, push back to the playoffs again? Uh, my confidence level would be pretty low, to be quite honest. I don't mean that in any sort of um, negative way toward Laurent Brossois or, or Logan Thompson, but you know, I hate to say this, but like they are who they are. Like Laurent Brossois is a career backup. And I said this before, like, yes, he's played well. Yes. He's, you know, given them what they needed, you know, in terms of a backup, somebody who could, you know, he's up to career high and, you know, appearances and starts and all that. Like, I don't think it was expected to come around, you know, this way with, with Leonard being hurt, but I, I don't have a lot of confidence in those two. And I think back to, a couple of years ago when the Knights acquired Leonard and what Kevin McCrimmon said at the time and the reason that they did it, they just didn't feel good enough about if something happened to Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, they they wanted an insurance policy, basically. Well, if that was the case when you had Fleury and Subban, like I have no idea how you would feel good about Broswan Thompson being being your two going forward. Like if you made a if you made a trade to solidify yourself in that regard a couple of years ago, I, I mean, you're in even more dire situation now. So from that standpoint, I think you would have to look at a trade. I think you would have to look at something. But again, this is the dilemma. Like, you know, I'm not saying you punt on the season, but what is out there that is really going to make a difference? Is there a guy, if they acquire him and he gets them, you know, to the playoffs, if he makes a Hamburglar, you know, run like f- from a few years ago, Andrew Hammond did or something and, and gets them to the playoffs. Like there's no guarantee at that point that that goaltender is then good enough to carry him. There's, there's not like, I mean, there's not a Robin Leonard available on the trade market this year. Let's just kind of call it like that. So from that standpoint, I, I it's, you know, I, I don't know what I would do if I was in their shoes but my confidence level would definitely not be very high, you know, especially after the last couple of games. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. 
Yeah, let's explore that um, a little bit because the NHL trade deadline is coming up on Monday. And I think we're probably both in agreement that, you know, goaltending is like the one spot that if this team isn't confident, it's going to get Robin Leonard back anytime soon or just not confident that he's going to be fully healthy if he comes back at any point this season. Uh, that the Knights should be targeting. But as you mentioned, it's just a really tricky kind of needle to thread. Um, we don't see a lot of like midseason goalie trades. The Knights getting Leonard is like one of the rare times it's happened lately because if you, you know, have goaltending, uh, you're probably pretty good and not looking to trade it away. And if you don't have goaltending and are looking to add it, you are probably bad and not, you know, gearing up for a playoff run anyway. So it's pretty unique. Uh, the Knights gave out when they got Leonard a second round pick, a uh, defense prospect named Slava Denim, uh, Malcolm Subban, who was their backup at the time. And plus they gave a fifth to Toronto for salary retention. So that's kind of interesting if you're the Knights, because if you kind of use that uh, trade as a model for what you could potentially be sending out for, let's say, an uh, Alexander Georgiev uh, and Anton Forsberg from Ottawa, Columbus's Eunice Corposalo. I mean, that's a lot of assets to send out uh, for what, as you said, Dave, just to potentially get in the playoffs. I mean, the Knights are already without their first round pick this upcoming draft. They don't have their second round pick in 2023. Are you going to continue to take away from kind of your asset chest uh, in order to just make the playoffs? And if you get in as a wild card team, which is what the Knights would be favored to probably do right now, uh, you're playing either Colorado or Calgary in the first round. And that doesn't sound like a whole, whole great situation there for you. Um, so that sounds really tricky and that's a really tough needle to thread about how much uh it is you know too much to give up when you're just trying to get in at this point on the other hand uh we obviously know what sky high expectations this team has for themselves and i don't think they know anything other than going for it and taking a chance and taking the risk and seeing how it pays off so that's what makes i think their dilemma so fascinating and so interesting. And obviously I'm just curious to see what happens as I'm sure you are. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you mentioned, you know, potentially playing Colorado. <laughs> I got a real kick out of the uh, Daryl Sutter quote the other day. I don't know if you caught it, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to misinterpret part of it. I think he was sort of saying he didn't think, anybody from the Pacific division was going to make a wild card. But more than that, the thing that caught me was he said, basically, if you make it and you play Colorado, that's just a waste of eight days. Like you're done. You're, you're done in eight days. They're going to wax you. So like, I mean, you know, Daryl Sutter's obviously, you know, extraordinarily blunt and, and all that, but I mean, it's kind of true. And in a weird way, I think if you're the Knights, I mean, yeah, it's on paper. Yeah, you felt good about how you played them last year. And, and you know, they've always seemed to match up well with Colorado. But, like, I, I think the hard thing is as we discuss all of this is we're not privy to the same knowledge about the injuries that obviously the Golden Knights front office is. And I think they can operate with the knowledge and, and the assumption of this player is going to come back or is not going to come back. This player is not going to come back or is going to come back. 
I think they can look at this a little better from from you know that standpoint internally and and sort of judge their own team, look in the mirror and say, can we really get there? Like, it, are we just toast right now? Like these, you know, stones on the rack, Pacioretty's messed up. Like, if that's the case, I'm not sure it's worth giving up, you know, more assets just to try to get on a little bit of a run for 20 games. Uh, I know you have to make the playoffs. I understand there's some financial ramifications along with just, you know, everything else about this team and the expectations, you know, that it had. But I it, had I, if I was in Kelly McCrimmon's shoes or George McPhee's shoes and I know that, you know, Robin Leonard's screwed up, if Mark Stone's back is screwed up, if Max Pacioretty's lower body is screwed up or whatever, and like none of these three guys are coming back, but, you know, maybe it makes my decision-making process, you know, a little better because the goalies – like here's the other thing too. Okay, you get you get one of these goalies. Like you get Georgiev. Well, he's an RFA. So what are you going to do with him? You know, are you going to trade Brossois and he's your backup? You're going to go with like Leonard and Georgiev. I mean, that's a pretty pricey tandem. You know, you're going through essentially similar to what they did with Flurry and, and Leonard. Maybe not 12 million, but it would cost you. You know, and is Georgiev the heir apparent to Robin Leonard? I don't know. I mean, his save percentage has gone down every single year. Like he was a guy a few years ago. I was pretty high on. I'm not nowhere near as high on, you know, Gorgiev if he were to come to the Knights and to, you know, be a guy who could be a number one, you know, take over for Leonard or something like I, I'm not, I, I have way more doubts about that. Same with like, you know, Forsberg, you mentioned Corpusal. Like I'm not sure any of these guys other than, you know, maybe if they temporarily got on a good streak, would be the long-term answer to the Knights' problems. And, you know, if you're going to make a trade like that, if you're going to give up that many assets, I mean, I, I think I would want to acquire a guy that is going to be on my team, you know, for longer than just a couple of months. Like, this is the other funny thing, too, I was I was thinking about, chuckling about. Knights traded for Jack Eichel, and they send the release over, and, and all these conditions on the top 10, you know, pick, it's protected. Ha, <laughs> top 10 pick. Like, what are the Knights going to be picking in the top 10 for? Well, I don't know. Suddenly, it becomes very relevant. I was say, it all of a sudden looks very uh, prescient by the Knights to include that protection. Um, the interesting thing for me, too, uh, with the goalies, Dave, to kind of wrap up the discussion here. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Georgiev is not like, you know, he's been lighting it up this season. I think he's the guy that's been linked with the Knights the most. I mean, he's 8-9, 3.14 goals against average, 892 save percentage. Uh, not only are those like not great numbers, uh, the other guy that's playing, you know, behind the same skaters that Georgiev is, uh, Igor Shosturkin, is probably going to win the Vezina Trophy. So I think that honestly makes him look a little worse by comparison. The fact that Shosturkin is having that good a year and Georgiev is not having a great one. Um, you know, basically with the same kind of situation and the same kind of tools to work with here. Um, I know Anton Forsberg impressed uh, Robin Leonard when he started uh, in T-Mobile Arena for Ottawa. I think he could make some some sense. He comes a little bit cheaper. Eunice Corposalo, I think, just has not been good, and the Blue Jackets are trying to um, get rid of him. But the thing that I kind of keep thinking with um, any of these guys is if you bring one of these goalies in, uh, they are going to know that, hey, you're being brought in here to save us. You are being brought in here to make sure 
we make the playoffs or otherwise, you know, we're all going to be afraid that guys are going to get fired and people are going to get traded. And that's a really tough spot to drop someone into um, that is also going to have to be learning kind of new systems, new style of play, new teammates, new city, all that stuff. Um, and basically, you're going to drop this person in and say like, all right, it's all on you, bud. If you make saves, we all might, you know, stick around an extra year. And if you don't, a lot of us might be going away. Uh, that, I think, is something that, you know, gives me pause, too. Just because we've seen, you know, like I said, goalie trades are pretty rare. But we've seen some not work out, even with very good goaltenders in the past. I know Daily Faceoff did a story today on uh, Ryan Miller, who's one of the best American goalies of all time. But he was a failed uh, trade deadline acquisition at some point for another team. I believe it was the Blues he got traded to and then didn't do so hot with. So that's like a real consideration too of like, if you uh, make this trade, you are not exactly making it easy on whoever you're bringing in, but also they don't have a lot of good options at this point either. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's a great point that, that you bring up in terms of just the pressure, you know, that a goaltender would face. I mean, Hey, look, like a goaltender, and, and we saw it the last couple of games, and I don't think anybody wanted to throw, you know, Brossois or Thompson under the bus, but like it was very obvious, and they said it in so many words that the goaltending was an issue the last couple of games. Like they just, you know, couldn't get a save. I, I hate to say this, but like that Columbus game early on, it was very obvious that the Knights, for the first time, had an AHL goaltender in net. Like that game just right away looked like it was teetering and it was just going to be, you know, one of those 1980s back and forth, you know, high scoring. Nobody's really playing a whole lot of defense kind of games. Those are hard to play, you know, for a goalie. That's the other thing too. Like if we're going to talk about this, you know, you're not only expecting them to come in and be a savior, you know, like you're saying, but you've got to do it on a team that isn't even playing well in front of you right now. You could get pelted as a goalie. Like, it could be an absolute shooting gallery, depending. I mean, to be fair, on that road trip, the Knights did a pretty good job of limiting shots. I think Pittsburgh was the only game that they were outshot. I'm not 100%. Maybe it was the Columbus game. I don't remember. It was one game. Only one game that they were outshot. So in terms of that and the shot suppression and everything, they're doing fine. But, you know, some of that also has to go to the score. You know, you're up. 5-1 5-1 or whatever, like Winnipeg was, you're going to sit back. Like you're not, you're not trying to really do anything. So some of those numbers get skewed. Everything maybe looks a little better on paper, you know, than it actually is. But, you know, Pete DeBoer made his comment on that trip about, hey, we've played, and this was before the Winnipeg game, four games and could have won all of them. I think we would have, you know, you and I would probably dispute that and, you know, maybe argue that point a little bit. But, you know, for them – you know, they felt like they're doing some good things. So, you know, if you're the goalie and you're walking into that, you, you just you kind of don't know what you're going to get. And I think that that's a tough spot to be in if you're a puck stopper. No, it definitely is. And so we'll ultimately see if the Knights do decide to bring someone in by Monday at goalie or, you know, any other position. But certainly it would seem like a goaltender would be number one on their wish list right now, outside of obviously just getting guys back healthy. But uh, as of this moment, we don't have a lot of solid updates on that front. Um, But the other thing we should touch on before we get out of here was 
the game that we were kind of previewing our last podcast, but actually happened uh, last Thursday, and that is the Knights 3-1 loss uh, to the Buffalo Sabres in Jack Eichel's uh, return. So he was booed pretty relentlessly throughout the game and obviously did not go the Knights' way. Uh, in fact, some would say it probably went the exact opposite of the way the Knights would have liked it because uh, Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck were two of the Buffalo Sabres goal scorers. They, of course, came to Buffalo in the Jack Eichel trade. Uh, Tuck even got an empty netter by winning a kind of board battle against Eichel along the wall and then going the the other way. Uh, Eichel showed, showed some clear frustration afterward because he kind of offered up uh, this this quote, uh, quote, yeah, that's about the loudest I've ever heard this place ever, really. Uh, it took only seven years and me leaving for them to get into the game. Uh, so some fighting words and some frustrated words from Jack Eichel afterward. Dave, you were there. You were in Buffalo taking this all in. Uh, just what was the you know atmosphere like in that building? And, and what did you think of kind of... It ending with Eichel just venting some frustration publicly. Well, I think it was a pretty toxic building if you're Jack Eichel. I got I got to be fair. I mean, it was like you said, relentless. I mean, it was from the moment that you know he's the last guy off the ice in warm up, so you know he's a pretty easy, I guess, target you could say as far as you know he didn't blend in. He got booed the moment he stepped off the ice. He got booed in the introductions. And this is the one that kills me. He got booed on the opening face-off because he touched the puck. And then it became every time he touched the puck, they were booing him. And then it just became he just jumped over the boards and they were booing. Like, he didn't even have to touch the puck. As soon as they saw him, boo! Like, I mean, it was nonstop. Here's the flip side to it. And and I'm going to kind of try to turn this around and and maybe offer a little bit of a compliment. The, The irony about... His quote, and and so here's 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 one thing with it. Okay, yes, it was a dig, yes, it was a swipe, but it was also his attempt at kind of being funny. And I think we'll find out is the more that that we see him and fans kind of hear him. Jack Eichel has a pretty dry, sarcastic sense of humor. So I, in some ways, I don't think he quite meant it the way that he meant it because, and this is why, because he was right. That building was electric, as toxic as it was for him. It was electric. And everybody out there from Buffalo told me that they haven't seen a game like that. And it's not because of the booing. It's not because of the – it was every single play, every hit they were into it, every penalty call, every non-penalty call. Like, that was Buffalo. And, you know, we make fun of Buffalo, and and we talked a lot about Alex Tuck and, and him, you know, Looking forward to going there and not many guys in the league being like that and why that was such an attractive thing for the Sabres to acquire. Because, you know, let's be honest, like Buffalo is not exactly, you know, like the most cosmopolitan city in the NHL. I'll I'll put it like that. And to have like 12-5 in there, you know, to have them rowdy and into the game, like it was like the old days. That's what everybody kept telling me. And so... Yeah, you know, it was it was a crack and and Eichel definitely got his, you know, his jab in there. And I think had he come right out, you know, and done his media, maybe he would have even, you know, 
been a little more sarcastic. So, you know, maybe it's good that he just kind of left it there, you know, but yeah, the irony of all this is, is he was telling the truth and that arena was jumping. And if the Buffalo Sabres, Alex Tuck and Krebs, like you can tell they've got a little excitement. I know there's a Knights podcast, but you know, finally, like the Buffalo Sabres are a team that, that, you know, people can care about. And I think that game, I don't want to say it was a turning point maybe for that city, but I, that was a definite line of, I think, you know, maybe demarcation or something. That's probably a bad analogy to, you know, where that franchise is, is headed. And then they won, you know, then they played that, uh, that outdoor game, you know, soon after that. So, you know, good for Buffalo to, to have that. And, and I also, you know, the other thing too, and Jack Eichel was clear about this, you know, Pete DeBoer and everything is, is they're just glad it's done. And I don't think he's looking back or looking forward to any other trips back to Buffalo at this point, because, you know, sadly, or maybe not sadly, but that quote, that quote is, is going to follow him for the rest of his career with Buffalo people. Yep. I think there's no doubt about it. I don't think he's going to get a warm reception, basically any of his uh, return visits, but you know, it probably won't be as bad as the one he got last Thursday. But yeah, another kind of a you know bad chapter for the Knights uh, on that road trip. Uh, they are now home for at least uh, two games, and then they go on the road again. They have 20 games left in the regular season. Uh, their next five are against uh, four playoff teams, and then a team that is right behind them in the standings. They go Panthers, Kings, Wild, uh, Jets, and Predators. It feels like this is a pretty critical stretch here, Dave. And we've probably said that a lot over the course of the season. We probably said that a lot, you know, in terms of heading into the road trip and stuff of like, not even necessarily that the Knights need to uh, make hay in this stretch, but uh, they need to get afloat during this stretch. If they kind of continue the way they're going, uh, these next five games pretty much have a chance to bury them if they don't get at least a decent chunk uh, of points out of it. So, you know, looking at the schedule, uh, how are you kind of viewing these next five? Because I believe the schedule lightens up, you know, out of that. Is this kind of the, I don't know if you have to, you know, obviously go four and one, but I mean, at least I would think have to win three of these games to kind of keep yourself at least, you know, alive or, or in the chase. Well, I think the one thing they can't do is get skunked to the way they did on this last road trip. And that's why this is even, you know, maybe a make or break stretch for them at this point, because they didn't do anything on that last road trip. Like not even a point, not even a loser point, not like nothing, you know, over 10. So it puts them in, in such a more difficult spot. Like this, this stretch, like you could have looked at it, you know, a couple months ago and seen, okay, you know, road trip, winnable games, you know, leading into a really tough stretch. That's what you want. You know, if you, you know, do your business to start with, and when you hit the tough stretch, you know, maybe you have a little more wiggle room or you give yourself a little more, you know, space to kind of work with if it doesn't, if it doesn't go your way as well. But now they're in a spot. Yeah. You know, you've got to get, I mean, I think even at this point, like you got four, get four points, you know, I get, so just get something out of, out of it. I mean, you know, again, I, I, 
it just goes back to that last trip and them not being able to get anything, you know, against at least I would say four very winnable games. I think the Pittsburgh game was always going to be just probably a schedule loss, but the fact that they didn't get anything done in those other games just puts them in such a more difficult spot, you know, for this stretch coming up. Yeah, we'll see what the Knights are able to do. We'll see what they end up doing at the trade deadline uh, on Monday because we'll probably have a podcast uh, ready for you guys soon after breaking down what did or did not happen and obviously break down a few games at that point that probably determine where the Knights are at standing-wise heading into the home stretch of the season. But... That's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. As a reminder, we are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. We are presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com and Blue Wire. Uh, and plus, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. As a reminder, we have a special episode out this week with a uh, nice, solid 30-minute interview with Knight's left wing, William Uh, I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations.